The following is a message by Dr. Howell Jones from Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about this message or Westminster Seminary, visit us online at wscal.edu or call us at 760-480-8474. That's online at wscal.edu or call us at 760-480-8474. Let us pray. Continuing in thy presence, O Lord, we acknowledge that thou alone art God, eternally triune, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Thank thee for that revelation thou hast given of thyself, apart from which knowing thee as the one true and living God would be impossible to us. We thank thee that thou hast drawn near, unveiled thy glory in the face of Jesus Christ, impressed our spirits by thine own spirit with the reality and the possession of life eternal. We therefore come now to thee with thanksgiving and praise, and as we read and consider thy word, ask thy blessing upon it, so that we might grow in knowing thee and thy Son, which is life eternal. Hear us for his sake and pardon our sins. Amen. Be seated, please. I want this morning to say a word or two about the preface to the first epistle of John, bearing in mind its purpose. So let us hear those opening verses of 1 John chapter 1, remembering that John said that he had written them to those who believed on the name of the Son of God, that they might know that they had eternal life and that they might continue to believe on Christ. Let us hear the word of God. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Clearly, the Apostle John regards every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ as someone who ought to know that they have eternal life. But he recognizes that that is by no means always the case, hence this epistle. And so he writes to them in order that that assurance might be restored to them. He does not search nor specifically state for reasons why that assurance was lost, though it can be, of course. But there are some suggestions, aren't there, in the epistle as to explanations for that fact. There were false teachers that were troubling the church, 
there were false gods surrounding them in Ephesus. Concludes the letter with those striking words, little children, keep yourselves from idols. And he also describes the whole character and culture of the world as being false and deceptive and fleeting. We might call to mind Bunyan's Christian in Pilgrim's Progress, who fell asleep in enchanted ground and lost that scroll of life and had to retrace his steps in order to find it. So that if you were here this morning having once known assurance of faith and have it no longer, then it may well be that you can identify where and why you lost it, in which case retrace your steps and go back to the beginning and repent and believe all over again because the one who brought you to life is the one who will restore assurance to you. Now, what John then says in this epistle is intended by him uh, to help people recover that assurance, and that applies to these opening statements which are, though much shorter than the prologue to the gospel, as important and connected to what follows as they are. These verses concern the word of life, he says, by which I understand the message of life. Not word in the sense that John 1 uses it, but in the more general sense of message of life. Though, of course, the message of life cannot be disconnected from the one who is life, namely the Son of God. This is a wonderfully crafted statement. It has significant, numerous, and weighty verbs, nouns whose meaning is whose meaning are rich and uh, profound. And what I want to do this morning quickly is to take a slice off the surface of these verses in the hope that uh, you will dig further into them and meditate on them, and perhaps we may return to them next week. I don't know. But here it is, a slice off the top, as it were, of these verses, which I hope is not... Uh, a superficial one. What does this message say about life? Because it is life which uh, convinces us, life within, which convinces us that Jesus Christ, who is the life, is ours. Now, he has four things to say here. First of all, it is eternal. Then it is historical. Then it is communal, and then it's joyful. Note that joyful comes last. If you are lacking assurance this morning, then you're inwardly unhappy. Others may not know it. They may not be able to read it in your face, but deep down you know it. Do not seek for something that will make you instantly happy as a solution to that inner sadness and anguish. Follow the whole line that the Apostle John unfolds in these verses. He begins with the eternal. If you lack assurance, of course, it's the here and now. The instant need, the pressing crisis and experience that's almost crippling you within. 
you have to go back. You have to go back beyond the here and now. Back to the there and then. Not to any phase in the history of the church or any phase in the history of redemption, even in Holy Scripture. You have to go back to the beginning. And not merely to the beginning, but beyond the beginning. To the one who was there when the beginning began. That which was from the beginning. You have to reckon with the fact that it is but little that most of us know. Even little that most of us can discover. And by whatever wit or reason we may have, we will never reach that solid ground for the assurance of everlasting life unless we go back beyond the beginning to the one who is life. That isn't make-believe. That isn't fancy. That is ultimate reality. And in doing that, we go back not to God as a monad, but to God who is the Father. The eternal life which was with the Father. That means there was someone beside the Father, with the Father. In the beginning before the world began to be made. You have to be willing to come to terms with the fact that eternity, though it is beyond our ability to see with our eyes, to reach with our hands, to explore with our minds and with our reason, it is, and he is, and the Father and the Son are, and ever were, before anything began to be in time and space. That's where he takes us. If we would want to know that assurance of eternal life, that's where we have to go. But the eternal became historical. That's the next thing that he emphasizes. How on earth can we go back beyond this time-space continuum to anything, let alone to God, to his Father, and to his Son, only because of revelation, only because this God has stepped into our time and space and made himself known. The life was manifested. It appeared, it was made visible in flesh and blood, in time and space reality, not in a momentary theophany in which some divine being put on, as it were, human flesh and form like a suit of clothes, the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, but one who came himself, took flesh and bone, flesh and blood, became the God-man. He is the one to whom we go. That is eternal life coming into this realm of everlasting death and woe ever since the fall. And they were witnesses. They were eyewitnesses. They were ear witnesses. They were hand witnesses. They were with him. They saw him, John tells us, with our eyes. We touched him and handled him 
with our own hands. He was manifested to us. For three years they went about with him. They heard him. They saw him. And after his death, they touched him. And he ate with them. This, was, this is as real as that you and I are looking at each other this morning. They were his eye and ear witnesses of the first order. And without them, we would not know that the eternal life was manifested. We are totally and utterly dependent upon their testimony, which they not only proclaimed verbally, but which they recorded verbally. And these things we write to you so that your joy may be full. Do not look elsewhere for truth about the eternal, truth about the ultimate. Look to this apostolic testimony. You look elsewhere, you may find something, but it will lead to death, not a life. And even though Pope Francis tells us that Mary is more important than the apostles, don't believe him. What was invisible, intangible, inaudible, unknowable, became visible, tangible, audible in the incarnation of the Son of God. And there were those who saw and heard and touched and handled and wrote and proclaimed. And here we have their testimony. The apostles and prophets, the foundation stone for the church in every age and time and place. Eternal, historical, communal. If you were lacking assurance this morning, don't hive off and concentrate on the humps and bumps of your soul. Don't look within for faith even. It will hide. You won't see it. You won't find it. Come into this apostolic fellowship, this community, the church, the body of Christ in which the truth resides and where it is central. And there you will find the eternal who has become historical becoming visible to faith, becoming audible to conscience, and even, even becoming tangible in bread and wine that you may have fellowship with us. We are part of this wonderful community of those who heard and saw and proclaimed and wrote we're one with them, they're one with us. The communion of saints in every age and place. Don't hive off on your own to concentrate on yourselves individually. Rather, come into this community because the fellowship that exists there is not merely horizontal. It's with the Father and with his son, not with the father through the son, note, which is true. 
but with each, with both. And as you have fellowship with each, you have fellowship with the other. You can't have fellowship with a father without the son coming to view. And the son will bring the father to view. And in that communal fellowship, the ultimate assurer, the Holy Spirit who bears witness, will authenticate to that word, read, preached, sung, made visible, for your comfort and for your strength. Eternal, historical, communal, and joyful. What a privilege and blessing to know that we have that fellowship with a God whom otherwise we would never know. And with his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, whom we desperately need to know in order to have life. This is eternal life, indeed. This is the road, the way, to recover that assurance. He is the one who will make known to us the path of life, in whose presence there is fullness of joy, and at whose right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Let us pray. We give thee thanks, O Lord our God, as those who are subject to darkness and death, the dominion of Satan and sin, that thou hast condescended to us, enlightened, liberated, regenerated, brought us out of darkness into light and from death to life. And so we, as truly, though not as yet as fully, but as truly as those apostles saw God in Christ, so have we. And we thank thee that when we see thee as thou art, we will not need anyone to tell us who thou art. We will recognize thee as the one whom we have known on earth, delineated in thy word, brought home to us by thy spirit. And we thank thee that thou wilt know us and receive us into that blessed fellowship of life without sin, everlasting and heavenly with all the saints from all the ages for whom Christ died. Hear us for his sake and grant us peace and joy in believing. For Jesus' sake, amen. Copyright 2013, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.